0: Good evening, world, and welcome to Haunting Season. If you've been hanging around here the past few months, you might recognize our ghost. Yes, that's right, we have a show ghost who haunts Haunting Season, and his name is Edgar. He's pretty shy and quiet and very curious. Isn't that right, Eddie? Yeah, not too talkative. Well. I've been working the past few months on communicating with Edgar in hopes to get to know him a little bit better and to find out where he came from. I have a little bit of a background in paranormal investigations after spending a couple of years with Ghost Stories, Inc. So I did some Ouija, I did some flashlight manipulation, I even tried tape recordings and I'm currently working on building Edgar some sort of speaking box that he can use to manipulate and be a little more vocal, but we're a ways off from that. But. But, 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 I think after all this work, I finally pieced together a little bit of who Edgar is and where he comes from. And I wanted to share that with you today on this episode of Haunting Season. Edgar stood in the doorway of his mother's room, gazing upon her motionless body. Nothing about her felt alive anymore, but that had been true since the arrival of the letter. She was wasting away, which meant Edgar had to do twice the work as he did before. The sheet was pulled over her head, her corpse-like hand a pale yellow from malnutrition hanging over the edge of the mattress. If he became an orphan, he'd only blame himself. Back at it, boy. This farm doesn't run on soft feelings. Edgar hated the sound that came from that woman's mouth, but he had two keeps to earn and no room for punishment. He kept his eyes low. Yes, Miss Tanger, softly escaped his lips, and off he went with his metal bucket and an aching heart. Mother was out of sight, but she would never be out of mind. Warm, dirty eggs were first on the list of things to collect this morning. The cool air of the hen house poured onto Edgar's face and wrapped around the back of his neck like a damp washcloth. A mixture of straw and wet bird crap leaked into his lungs. This was the uncomfortable smell of farm life solitude, as long as you didn't count the flocks of chickens milling about. Hens knew how to mind their own business. Chicken business, like swallowing pebbles and roosting. They would never tell anyone what they heard here, and that made it comfortable to speak out loud. Hi, ladies. Just here to grab breakfast. Thanks for all your hard work. Sometimes hearing a few squawks felt encouraging. No, no changes with mother. She's still kinda still, if you know what I mean. The chickens had no idea. And with this collecting done, it was time to head to the kitchen. This was Edgar's favorite part of the day. The old man who had become head chef, he was a pauper too, had a delightful happiness to him. He was quite the cook, but his hands were weak and held a lot of pain. Peeling potatoes is a young person's game. And luckily, Miss Tanger agreed, which is how Edgar ended up sitting on a sack of spuds every morning with his best friend Timothy, taking their time, peeling away, while listening to tall tales about giants and gold digging and gunslinging bandits. There were lots of sour parts to living on the poor farm, but helping Chef was sweet like sugar. Which the old man snuck the boys when Miss Tanger wasn't looking. Work was hard around the farm. Living there made you state property, and it was up to the individual to reduce the cost and strain on the taxpayers. On this farm, there were 25 poppers, seven of them children, 18 adults, all fed by six cows, 78 chickens, a greenhouse full of produce, and a well for water. But the biggest belly filler was the grain. Heaps of it, up to Edgar's chin by midsummer, in an endless field of imagination. Grain made the cold Minnesota winters survivable, and was also what gave Edgar his round belly and skinny arms, but he never worried about himself. Only mother. After breakfast, Edgar found himself outside her doorway again, watching as one of the other women spoon-fed her some broth. Soup trickled down her chin and stained her nightgown as she gazed out the window towards infinity. The wind was blowing, which would make for an exciting after-lunch adventure in the grain fields. But lunch felt like forever away. Time always stood still when he looked at Mother, maybe because she was a ghost of a person now, a shell being kept alive by bird-flavored water. She used to hold Edgar and brush his hair aside and sing sweet songs. Mother had a beautiful singing voice. Father always said she could have been famous if she tried but she saved her voice for the ears of her loved ones. It had been months since she sang, since she showed any sign of herself. She was sitting straight up now, giving Edgar a clear view of the nightstand that was holding two things, a dirty glass of water, and with the wax seal broken, the letter. A hot weight on the back of Edgar's neck told him he was about to be caught dilly-dallying again, so he grabbed his broom and headed to the basement to prepare for mopping. It was best to get this over with before lunch and as quickly as possible. Being alone down there was the pits. He heard the whispers first, a quiet muttering of breath and S sounds, louder and more present than the ones he had come to imagine over the past few months down there. He slowed himself, attempting to shake off the willies, and as he turned the cellar stairs that opened up into the large main room, he found he was indeed Not alone. His pupils dilated, adjusting to the dimness, and a shape began to take form. Standing in the center of the room was the source of the whispering. A small silhouette, somehow darker than the far walls. Heart beating in his temples, Edgar stabilized himself against the frigid stone foundation. There was only one person this could be. Timothy? The whispering stopped the shape was still there was it turning it was difficult to tell shapes always shifted in the darkness the white string of the light bulb suddenly shot into focus just a few feet between edgar and timothy you better stop messing around it would be foolish to run he must be scaring himself even though it was clear now the shadow boy was turning his face starting to take shape in the dark. Edgar gripped his broom like a samurai from one of Chef's old stories and slid one foot forward. Somehow lifting his feet was too much of a risk. He shuffled bit by bit, eyes darting back and forth between the string and the thing, staring back at him. Two more shuffles. If it lunched for him, well, wait, what was the rest of the plan? What was going to happen when he turned on the light? He hadn't thought this through, but the string was so close now, was the dark shape smiling back at him? Was it moving closer? Timothy would have a lot of explaining to do if that was Timothy. And if not, this could all be it. This could be the end. The light popped on and there stood Edgar ready for attack with a dizzy head and nothing else. Edgar. Miss Tanger, I I, I thought I heard something and it's time for play when the work is done. Not before. You'll have much to make up for after lunch, young man. Yes, Miss Tanger. I'm, I'm sorry, Miss Tanger. Sorry is it for the wicked boy. Timothy's looking for you. Get off to lunch. After drinking their soup, Edgar and Timothy took their bread and carrots and ran out to the plywood board they had positioned deep in the field, their life raft in the amber waves of grain. The white noise from the straw-like growth offered a protective pocket of solitude. This was the place to share secrets. This was the safe space the USS Weederberry. But they had to be careful not to be gone too long, as Miss Tanger only allowed for brief moments of childlike behavior. Soon the cleaning would begin again, and because of what happened in the basement, it wouldn't stop until dinner. Timothy, w- were you... Um, what did, what did you do after the kitchen this morning? Oh boy, it was the worst. Miss Tanger needed to store some records in the crawlspace in the attic. It's so hot and weird up there. Sometimes I hate being small. Yeah. Hey, did you get the letter yet? No, it's all the way over on the nightstand. We'll have to go tonight when everyone's asleep. Edgar picked up a nearby rock, inspecting it with his fingers. It was smooth and smooth rocks helped with thinking. This might be the only way. But he didn't like the idea of sneaking around and stealing. On his walk back to the house, Edgar kept his hand in his pocket, feeling the soft curves of his new pondering stone. When he was little, father told him, rocks are very important, which is exactly why he collected them. They hold history. And sometimes if you get a good one, you can see it in the layers. Rocks experience things and take their stories along with them, violent rivers, dinosaur imprints. And when they go tumbling down cliffs, they split open to reveal magical stories about Earth's history. No two are ever the same. Edgar found rocks fascinating, except for the ones found in the basement. Those stones, kept from the sun, seemed to hold a special kind of coldness. Personality chiseled away, these frigid rocks making up the walls and floor felt more like a catacomb of dead bodies. Edgar often heard strange sounds in the basement, but now all he could think about was the shadow boy. He might be lurking in the corner Is that him whispering, or are those mice feet pattering across the floor? Best to shush it all out with the sound of sweeping and escape into thought. Mother always seemed different from the other adults. Edgar felt deep down something about bringing him into this world had changed her permanently. She loved him, there was no doubt about that, but he remembered hearing Father talk with friends about her disposition. She's become a sad sack of bones always clinging to the boy. Everything's about the boy. If only father could see her now. If only he would come back and see how independent Edgar had become. Man of the house? Perhaps not, but hardest worker on the farm? Provider? Are you there? A whisper from the corner. Edgar popped back into the present to the splintery broom handle and deep chill of the basement, standing precisely in the spot where he first saw the figure. What's your- There was no Shadow Boy this time, but he wasn't alone. Dark shapes like piled clothes encircled him, ebbing with ripples of static. Several voices spoke in the surrounding circle, swirling like bubbles around a rock dropped into water. The words tickled Edgar's spine and stood his hairs on end. Edgar lowered his eyes, hoping to concentrate away the darkness, but the voices continued to encircle him. We won't hurt you. No, we promise. Edgar's eyes drifted from his feet to a small cone of glowing light, flickering not like a candle, but on and off, mechanical. It was mesmerizing, hypnotic, like nothing he had ever seen. He wanted to touch it. Use the light. Could he touch it? He began to reach for it, charged with a nervous hesitation like when Timothy dared him to touch the electrical cow fence. Something happened here, or was happening here, or would happen here. His finger touched the light, and out of his mouth came his own name, Edgar. For a brief moment, the room was filled with light. He could see clearly the circle of people around him, a mixture of men and women all in black, holding strange objects. And as the flash subsided back into darkness, Edgar dropped his broom in place and ran for the cellar stairs without even a glance over his shoulder. Timothy finished mopping in the basement without incident. It was a welcome trade for doing the bathrooms. Edgar wouldn't tell him why, just that he needed a change. And they both agreed that change was nice. The boys met up again after a brief evening nap, at 2.30 a.m., outside Mother's room. They had gone over the plan in the grain field, and again after dinner. This was it. The big heist to get the letter. There had to be no sound, no scuffling. This had to be perfect. Edgar's first shoe came off smoothly, but the second was a bit tight, causing him to lose balance and nudge the door, which gave out an awful, grumpy croak. The boys froze listening for the awful sound of Miss Tanger. But a few silent moments proved they were safe. Timothy pointed at the door and mimed, grabbing the knob and opening it quickly. After a confused look from Edgar, he gestured again, slowly opening the door and putting a hand to his ear, shaking his head no. Then again, quickly. Timothy was right. A fast movement would make less sound in less amount of time. There was no other way. Back in position, Edgar put his hands on the cold brass doorknob and, with his muscles tensed, adjusted the door open by two solid feet with nothing but a quick squeak. This was enough to squeeze in. The moonlight poured over Mother's bed like fog. The sheet was once again pulled over her face and her left, bloodless wrist dangled from the mattress. Beyond her was the nightstand, where he had last seen the letter, but her head on the pillow obstructed his view. Edgar slid his socks across the floor, Sure, they were absorbing most of the sound. He was getting closer, close enough to see Mother's breath moving the sheet ever so slightly. She might look dead at times, but she was very much alive. There was hope. Something in the letter would show how to help. It had to. Getting close now, Edgar lowered onto his belly to scoot under the bed. Timothy had come up with this part of the plan. It would provide him with the most cover if something went wrong. Mother's body hung low on the old metal hammock of a bed frame, causing Edgar to avoid the center for fear of waking her with an accidental nudge. A few more inches, and he'd be able to reach. Now on the far side of the bed, he rolled onto his side and reached for the corner of the letter that was peeking over the top of the nightstand. A little further, His pointer and middle finger groped at the envelope until they caught and pulled it over the edge along with the dirty glass of water that had been resting on top. The glass smacked Edgar on the bridge of his nose, releasing warm blood to mix with the cool water that was now everywhere. If his pathetic yelp didn't wake up the whole farm, the glass bouncing on the tile floor like an alarm surely would. The letter was soaked, ink running all the words together. What had he done? Mother's hand snapped to life, grabbing Edgar by the sopping wet hair and whipped him up to the bed. The sheet had fallen and her eyes were no longer glazed over. They were black with anger. Edgar let out a whimper. No one had ever touched him in this way. He's dead, boy. He's dead, she barked, spittle splattering his face. He's dead and he's never coming back. Haunting Season was created by me, Joshua Sterling Bragg, and it's a joint production of Believe Limited and Matt This episode was written, performed, and shot by me, Joshua Sterling Bragg, edited by Colby Crow, and features music by North Innsbruck.